It's time for Hockey Talk. Yeah, boy! As Penguin Training Camp opens tomorrow, there are issues. And when we debate these issues, it's best to look for simple explanations. Let's consider the curious case of Daniel Sprong. It's very easy to say, yo, play Sprong, play him with Crosby, kid can score, play him with Crosby. I don't disagree with a lot of that. And I would play Sprong on Sid's line to start the season. But Mike Sullivan ain't going to do that, and I get that too. It's not like the Penguins are starved for scoring. The Pens scored 272 goals last year. That was third most in the league. Daniel Sprong only scored two of those. So the Penguins aren't desperate for goals. They don't need a top six right wing. They got Kessel. And they got Hornquist. So until Sprong plays better defense, gives more consistent effort, and most important, until Sprong supports the puck better, until all that happens, Sprong's role is going to be limited, and there's no way to criticize that. Sprong isn't trying to crack the lineup in Arizona. Dickie Tockett wishes, but he's trying to crack the lineup of a team that won the Cup in 16 and 17 and could very easily have won it again last year. That is no simple task. When you analyze the Pens, keep it simple across the board, and remember context. How good the Penguins are. For example, the Pens don't need Broussard to be a top six wing, and he's not a wing, so he's going to play center. That's where he helps the most. All that talk about wing will turn out to be just talk. You gotta believe me Daniel Sprong gonna be sitting in the press box next to me, yeah I think that's what's gonna happen initially Again, I would play Sprong on Crosby's line for a month But they don't need him to That's one thing that's been lost in the shuffle And I've said it many times the last couple days It's been lost in the shuffle after the Penguins didn't win a third straight cup, that they're still loaded. They got Hornquist and Kessler as their top six right wings. Do you need Sprong to play ahead of them? You just really don't. I mean, that's what would be best for Sprong. And you'd enjoy seeing it because you think you know what you're talking about, but you don't. Barry's Wear Boots brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. How would the Steelers do against Kansas City with Josh Dobbs at quarterback? Because we're one day closer to that being reality with Ben missing practice again today. You know, it's funny. I'm I'm not making fun of the kid. If Josh Dobbs starts and soils the bad, as I believe he would, as I believe he will whenever he does start his first game, whatever the circumstance... If Dobbs soils the bed, I won't, you know, laugh at him, not much. And uh, it, 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 you know, it's a tough situation, and that's why they should have kept Jones, because 
when the guy who started five games and played in 19 games has to jump in there in a situation like against Kansas City on Sunday, he's done it before and that helps. And if Dobbs has to do it Sunday, you will see exactly how much it helps. I just saw an interview on Twitter, Dobbs on video about potentially having to start. And at first he's like, huh, what? How do you think they'll do if Dobbs has to start Sunday? Now, I think Ben is just playing a bit of possum while playing it safe, obviously. You know what his injury is, don't you? It's the Spanish archer. The elbow. I'm sure he's going to play, but what if he doesn't? Maybe Josh can do a good job, Josh Dobbs. But what if he doesn't? Uh... Like Tim Benz wrote today in the Trib, if the Steelers can't score a bunch of points on Kansas City, that ain't good. The Chiefs were number two in points allowed in 2014, second best defense in the NFL in that regard, but dropped to 15th in 2017, and they allowed 28 points and 514 yards the L.A. Clippers this past Sunday. L.A. Clippers, L.A. Chargers. That is a bad defense. And what might make it worse is Eric Berry is hurt, the safety. He likely won't play. He's a rare good player on a pretty bad defense. So that would make a bad defense worse. I was on the Stan Saverin show today, and uh, I want to bring up the Jets sweep. Before Tyree Kill kind of developed into an all-around receiver that did stuff normal receivers do, like, you know, catch balls. They used to run that jet sweep with them once in a while. You know, line up a receiver, just, you know, come across the field, bam, jet sweep. He still does it once in a while, and I bet if he does, that blows up on the Steelers Sunday. Watch out for the jet sweep. Remember, you heard it here. Okay, I got to rat somebody out. Stan let this slip on his show today when I was on. The Chargers went from San Diego to L.A. And Dan Potash from AT&T Sportsnet. He's from San Diego. He's a Chargers fan. He said he would never root for the Chargers once they moved to L.A. His screensaver is Dan Fouts. And it's captioned, never refer to me as an L.A. Charger. Well, the Chargers play at Buffalo Sunday. And guess who's going to Buffalo to watch him? That's right, Dan Potash. Dan Potash. Oh, go LA Chargers. You use the same logo. I still love you. You screwed me. You screwed my hometown, but I still love you. Go Chargers. Yeah, okay, go Chargers, but boo Dan Potash. Boo! Boo! Four one two three 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 ninety. Boo. Four one two three 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 WXDX. Let's go to Nick in the car. Nick, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Um, I kind of disagree with the comment that we need Lev Bell to win the Super Bowl. I think if Lev Bell was playing right now, our defense is bad enough that we would never win the Super Bowl this year, regardless. But also saying that they I have a better chance with Lev Bell. Hey, although if you if you want to backtrack to something I've always said. I don't think they're ever going to win a Super Bowl with Bell and Brown. 
I do have a question. As for good you, as they are, as good as Bell and Brown are, you don't win Super Bowls with guys like that. You know, you know. Somebody tweeted something very funny. You know what Antonio Brown and I have in common? What's that? We don't care if the Steelers win. <laughs> I do have a question for you. Go ahead. Who was the last team with an elite running back to win a Super Bowl? It, an elite it, running back at Bell's caliber too. It doesn't happen a lot, does it? I mean, I I can't I can't pick the last time out of the air. But not but, at all. You know, and, and that well. It's a different game now, and I'm not, I'm not sidestepping the question, but now it's, it's much more important to have an elite quarterback. Well, that always was more important, but I it used to do. be it used to be you wanted a, a, an elite running back ahead of an elite receiver, right? Right. Um, you, you got your, you had the 90s. Right, but now you want that elite receiver. Antonio now, Brown is much more important than Le'Veon Bell, which is why Bell, to want the money he does, is a bit far-fetched, but it looks like he's going to get it. I think very important also is an elite tight end on the team with with an elite receiver. I think that's more important than having a mid-tier running back. Well, yeah, but Kelsey ain't done Kansas City a lot of good, right? Not last week, but he will. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I do know from reading a bunch of the Kansas City clips, because Kelsey was targeted, what, five times against the uh, Chargers and that's caught crazy. one pass, correct? Crazy. One pass for six yards. Right. Well, he might – Mahomes, you know, don't forget, different quarterbacks – go through different reads. And Alex Smith always checked on to Kelsey a lot. Yes, he And that's did. where he got a lot of his chances. And I read in the Kansas City papers that Kelsey is quietly worried that it's not going to be the same with Mahomes. And don't forget, what ruined Kansas City last year was the Steeler defense. After the Steelers played them and beat the crap out of them defensively, everyone followed suit after that. That's true. That's true. Why do you have me screaming Dan Potash in the background? I'm, I walked in my house. I'm not in the car anymore, and it, it was on my Alexa. I apologize. I'm out of the, that room now. Because that's, like, that's a delay of like four minutes. <laughs> if you're on iHeartRadio on my, on my speaker right now because I'm not in the car. Do you hate Potash as much as I do for turning on his city? <laughs> I do, but obviously he's a flip-flopper, so. So to speak. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. This is the Mark Madden Show. We got Josh Show. Is Josh in studio today? On the phone? Oh, screw him. 105.9. I just got a note from Tim Benz, which saved me the trouble looking it up. The last time an NFL team won the Super Bowl with an elite running back was the 2013 season, 2014 Super Bowl. Seahawks won with Marshawn Lynch, which isn't that long ago, but still, it's definitely a passing league now, and I'd rather have an elite wide receiver than an elite running back any day. Wide receiver is just a chunk position. You pick up a lot of yards potentially on not play after play, but as often as not, whereas running back, how often does a running back really break a splash play? Speaking of running backs, Leonard Fournette didn't practice today for Jacksonville. And uh, his injuries are becoming a problem. Um, One of the most important abilities is availability. And even though he did a great job running all over the Steelers, not once, but twice last year, and getting Jacksonville to the AFC final, they need him to be hurt a bit less, shall we say. Jerry Dulac with a couple informative tweets about Tyree Kill. And uh, the Steelers should be scared to death of Tyree Kill. As Jer tweets, how dangerous is Casey's Tyreek Hill? He has 13 touchdowns of 56 yards plus in 32 games. Six are catches. Four are punt returns. 
Two are runs from scrimmage, and one is a kickoff return. Four of his punt returns are at least 78 yards, including last week's 91-yard punt return against the Chargers. Tyree Kill's 58-yard catch-and-run touchdown against the Chargers was his 12th reception of at least 40 yards since 2016, most in the league. And he's a guy, you know, he's not a big guy, but if you jam him or double him, you, you, you better, like, knock him over, which you'll get a flag, because he's going to run away from you. I just marvel at that guy. Like, like I said a couple times, I watched the highlights of that game against the Chargers, and now I'm glad Kansas City won because Potash has betrayed his home city of San Diego, and he's rooting for the L.A. Chargers. Go, L.A. I love L.A. Like I said, that punt return and that slant, if the goal line was 400 yards away, Tyree Kill still would have scored. You couldn't have caught him in an Uber. It, it was just incredible to watch. Like the slant. Catch, one step, gone. Punt return. Beat a guy, beat a guy, gone. You know, I find myself thinking, I wish the Steelers had a guy like that. And as exciting as Antonio Brown is, he's not as exciting as Tyree Kill or in the same way Tyree Kill is. Let's go to John on the north side. John, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, how are you? What up? I was calling to get your uh, thoughts on Derek Grant. He had a pretty good year with the Ducks last year. I was wondering how you thought he would fit in with the Pens this season. On what line? And I, I think he's strictly insurance, uh, John, I know that Jim Rutherford likes him. Whether that translates into him playing, I don't know. I mean, where would you put him? Right now you've got six centers for four spots. They're going to alleviate that by putting Matt Cullen on left wing on the fourth line, I think. But that still doesn't create a spot for Derek Grant unless you move Derek Broussard to wing, and Broussard's not a wing, and I certainly wouldn't move him there to make room for Derek Grant. I mean, Derek Grant's a good bottom six guy. But he's not really a guy you make room for, is he? No, I, I just wasn't sure if you thought they would move him to a wing. Um, I think he played some wing in the past. Well, wh who would you rather play at wing, Derek Grant or Zach Aston-Reese? That's a tough call, I guess. No, it's actually not at all a tough call. I'd go with, with Aston-Reese. What about Dominic Simone or Derek Grant? I'd go with Grant on that one. No, I would not either. Derek Grant, <laughs> Derek, Derek Grant had like a decent year last year, but let's not forget... You know how many times he scored before last year? Not many. I mean, last Never. Year was the best year. None. Zip. Nada. Let's go to Kyle in Worthington. Kyle, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark. I'm just going to uh, make my point and let you respond as you will. But I think the biggest disappointment in Pittsburgh this year is that you can't even rely on, and not even just this year, but the past three years, you can't rely on your quote-unquote superstar franchise quarterback. Right, because it's important to blame the quarterback. Average. That's great football analysis. Anything else? I mean, he was terrible I against think. Cleveland. It's one game. He got you to 13-3 last against year. against Cleveland, but I can remember a game last You're right, he stinks. Anything else? I mean, I'm sure you'll nitpick and pick at the scab and find ways, so he stinks. Can I hang up on you now? Well? Your call has been forwarded. Yeah, there you go. Really good analytical call. 
I'm sorry, I got no time for pinning the woes of this franchise on the guy who brought two rings here and who got you to 13-3 and last year and who made some mistakes against Jacksonville and dug a hole but did his best to pull you out of the hole. I'm not going to let you blame everything on him. I'm just not. It's stupid. A.B.'s the guy who's never won. Le'Veon Bell's the guy who's never won. In fact, everybody but Ben are the guys who have never won. That's why I laugh. And I like Ramon Foster, so I hesitate to repeat this. But when Ramon Foster talked about Lev Bell, he needs to be all in to win a Super Bowl. I'm thinking, well, there's one expert telling the other expert what it takes to win a Super Bowl. Because neither has a clue. And won't win. Ever. Not this year. Not ever. And if they do, it'll be because number seven wins it for him. Like he has twice in the past. But no, you can't rely on Ben. I wish I could have reached through the phone and slapped that guy. I got to take this call. Got to be quick, though. It's our good friend, Bob, the Egyptian magician. Hello, my friend. Hey, Mark, the the notion of uh, running backs are not that important. They are important. No, 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 Bob, that's not what I said. I said they're not as important as a wide receiver. I I was talking about the caller that you were saying, basically, Mark. I'm telling you, if you don't have a – look at the Jacksonville. Because they had a good running back, because of that, they played so many different things. Yeah, but Bob, 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 let me back you up. You're right about Jacksonville, but aren't they the exception to the rule? If you don't have a good running game – Bob, aren't they the exception to the rule? Look at the Philadelphia. Yeah, but they did it by committee. And it's hard – you know, everybody says do it by committee. It's hard to have those guys who mesh together with different styles – like Philadelphia did, and for that matter, New England. Well, I remember we had the bus and we had Parker and we won a Super Bowl. I remember that. Yeah, bus was kind of a backup, but that's true. You you know when they had a good combination? If they would have played LeGarrette Blunt enough to keep him happy and they could have gone with the combination of Bell and Blunt for a few years dating to now? We would have had three Super Bowls. I I don't know about that, but I bet we would have been to one more. But remember, you know, Blunt quit the team because he went a whole game and didn't play. And even though it was the wrong thing to do to walk off the field early, part of me didn't blame him. How about you, Bob? Well, I think it, it, it goes a little bit deeper than that. You're not, you're not going to like my answer because I thought, uh, uh, the, you know, Marquise Pouncey coming, oh, he's the cancer, with, you know, all the offensive linemen, and they did the same thing with Bill. I'm telling you, without Bill, we are not going to win Super Bowl. Oh, no, I, I agree. Now, Bob, I, I got, there's something more important to talk about. Liverpool-Tottenham Saturday, your guy Salah, is he going to score? Hey, uh, he, he's going to try. That's all I can ask for. Thank you, Bob. Nice. You notice, you know, Bob's Iranian and Salah's Egyptian, but Bob's given up on correcting me when I keep calling Salah his guy, which honestly I give him credit for because that's really the only way to play it. Josh Owey up next, talking hockey on the X. X. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Joining me now to talk hockey with Penguins training camp beginning tomorrow at the Lemieux Complex in Cranberry. From The Athletic, it's Josh Joey. Josh, before we talk Penguins, what's your take on the Eric Carlson trade? People are saying the Senators didn't get enough from San Jose, but weren't they backed into a corner with Carlson on the last year of his deal? Uh, yeah, I actually think they did okay, given the situation. It was very clear that Eric Carlson no longer wanted to play there. Um, they did get a handful of draft picks and some prospects. Uh, you know, you're never going to win that trade when, you, when you're trading a Hall of Famer. 
Uh, ask Craig Patrick when he traded Yarmir Yager in 2001. It's just a very difficult thing to do. So I don't think they had much choice, and obviously it makes San Jose a heck of a lot better. Uh, kind of an interesting dynamic with Burns and Carlson on the same team. Those are two guys who do a lot of the same things, although Carlson does them better. Um, but that certainly makes the Sharks a factor in what is not a particularly good Western Conference. Camp starts tomorrow for the Pens, and before we analyze too deeply, Josh, we should first establish the Penguins are loaded, aren't they? I mean, that's a loaded roster. Well, of course it is, Mark. I still maintain, for all the people who want to talk about Tampa Bay or Nashville or Winnipeg, and those are all good teams, I still think the Penguins and Capitals are the two best teams in the league. Uh, the winner of that series has won the Stanley Cup the last three seasons. It wouldn't shock me if that happens again. It's not like the Penguins were that awful last spring. They lost in overtime of Game 6 to the eventual Stanley Cup champions, and they were very much out of gas at that point in time. Uh, the Penguins are clearly, in my opinion, one of the five best teams in hockey, at worst. And yes, as you stated, they are loaded. Where are Crosby and Malkin at this point in their careers? Their production was down a tad last year, but Gino did have 42 goals. And with the league in general, offense is down, isn't it? It is. Um, you know, Crosby's numbers in general are down the last couple of years, although then you, when you see what he does in the postseason, I think it tells you that maybe he is not as interested in winning scoring titles as he once was. Uh, that's not something he really shares in common with his uh, former landlord. Uh, Mario always wanted to win scoring titles, and it's not that Sid doesn't, but I don't think that drives him quite as much. And I still think Crosby and Malkin are very near the, the height of their power. Are they in their primes? Maybe the back end of their prime, I guess we could call it. But the fact is, Athletes in general and also hockey players are more dominant later into their careers now just because of training and everything else. And, and so, yeah, I still think they're plenty close enough to the prime. And I think Crosby and McDavid at this point are clearly the two best players in the league. And I think Malkin's still top five. Where does Sprong fit in? And what don't they like about his game? Because, Josh, my hunch is he starts the year in the press box. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me. Um you do get the feeling he's the kind of kid who frustrates coaches, and I'm not just saying Mike Sullivan or the Penguin staff. He frustrated Mike Johnson. He kind of had that knock when he was drafted. Uh, he's certainly a first-round talent, and he went into the second round. Um, he, he's the kind of player that can frustrate coaches, but at the same time, Jim Rutherford has always been kind of enamored with this kid. Uh, you can see the talent he has. He, he's going to start the season with the Penguins. Uh, the thing with him, if you really want to see what he can do and what he can bring to the table – he should probably start the season on a line with Crosby or Malkin. Uh, let's see how he plays with the big guys. He had a little cameo with Crosby last year and played very well for a few games. Uh, if you're going to bury him on the fourth line, um, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, he, he's just not a, a bottom six style player, and I realize the game's a little different now than it once was. But I, I want to see him with the big guys, but I, I don't get the sense that's going to happen. Well, what I hear is the big complaint isn't necessarily defense. It isn't necessarily lack of focus. Is that he doesn't support the puck well enough in the offensive zone. And I will say with the Penguins, that's mandatory. No, it is. And, uh, you know, he's used to being the best player on his team. And he's used to people, you know, force-feeding the puck to him. And it's always been that way. That's not his fault. He was the best, best player on his junior team. He was the best player in Wilkes-Barre. Well, he's never going to be the best player as long as Crosby or Malkin or Kessel were here. So, yeah, he's going to have to learn certain habits away from the puck. There's no question about it, but I have not heard that Crosby or Malkin have any issues with him, and nor have I heard that they're necessarily excited to play with him. I just don't have a feel for it yet, but um, this is certainly a legitimate talent. You watch him play even in practice, 
The way he shoots the puck is a little different. He's a big kid who has a great feel in the offensive zone, so I just think he needs to play some at this level. And, and the problem is, you know, there's so many good NHL players already on this team. It's not easy to break in and just start playing as a young guy, and, and I think his performance in camp is going to be really important in that regard. You keep hearing about Broussard at wing. I bet it don't go down that way, Josh. For me, Broussard's a center, and for me, the Penguins are best with him at third-line center. Yeah, I hate the idea of it. I know Jim Rutherford and Mike Sullivan have both mentioned it, and you know, I'm okay with experimenting if things aren't going well. Well, Josh, don't you think they're doing it just to try to shoehorn him into the top six? Perhaps, but uh, you know, and I think you share my opinion on this. You got Derek Broussard, so you could be dominant down the middle. Right. So just because just because he didn't meet expectations for a couple of months last spring when he was hurt. I don't think that's enough of a reason to press the panic button and move Shane up to the third-line center. He can do that, but Broussard theoretically gives you something special there that no other team in the league really can match. And and so I would like to see him get a full training camp down the middle, get him some legitimate line mates, which he'll have. I would guess Brian Ross, maybe Sprong. Uh, Let's see what he can do. I I just don't like the idea of putting him on the left side. I know other than Gensel, the Penguins don't have a ton of offense at left wing, but my God, they have so much offense everywhere else. uh, I I would just keep the guy at his natural position. And plus, it's about about fit, too, Josh, because, you know, Hagler's not a top six winger, but he is a good fit for Malkin and Kessel. Well, that's exactly right, and and I think that is going to be the second line, as it should be. Um, The fact is, he, he wreaks havoc for those guys. He creates turnovers for them. He's not going to score the goals. He doesn't have to. He, he does everything else for those guys. The way Bob Barry once did it for Mario. You, you need a third wheel sometimes who does all the dirty stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I just, going back to Broussard, I, he didn't play great. We all know that. But he wasn't awful either. And now that he's healthy, I would just like to see him get a couple of months down the middle, even if that means he's not getting the minutes he's used to. And let's see how he does. No, when he's healthy and, and feels comfortable, he'll be the Derek Broussard that played so well in the league for so many years. We're talking to Josh Shelley from The Athletic here on the Mark Madden Show. Josh brought to you by the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. Josh, uh, I-, I think we agree that Kessel's going to play with Geno. At least I hope so because I'm not dismissing the stars on three different lines thing, but I think that should be the alternative and not the go-to. Well, yeah, just because it worked so well two years ago doesn't mean you're always going to win in that manner. And I agree with you. I like Malkin and Kessel together, especially if Hagen is the third wheel. Yeah, you want depth. Well, if you have Derek Broussard and Brian Rust on your third line, theoretically, uh, how many teams in the league can match that, really? Uh, Not many. So you still have three lines that can score. Maybe you don't have a star on that third line, but you don't need a star on your third line. You, You just need a good third line. And ideally, if the stars are playing together, they will be happy, and they you know they're going to produce. Now, I know there's, you know, an idea that maybe the coaching staff isn't always in love with the idea of Malkin and Kessel being together, but too bad. Now, the fact is they play really well together, and they're great hockey players, and as long as Hagelin is there, the defensive work will be fine on that line. So I think they have plenty of depth to have three or even four good lines and keep two of the stars together. Is the Penguins' defensive core underestimated, Josh? Because I think that's a really good group of six, maybe even seven and eight with the uh... Ruedel and Ricola, as long as they're not regulars, from top to bottom, they got some good guys. There's no real weakness there, Mark. I mean, if Latang is a little bit better this year, and I suspect he will be, um, he and Dumoulin, that's a legitimate, terrific top pairing. If you go Schultz and Mata, that's a really good second pairing. And Johnson and Alexiak, my goodness, I, I, I think Jack Johnson is going to play much better in Pittsburgh than people think. 
I think he's got a new coaching staff that will be beneficial. He won't have too much responsibility. Uh, Jamie Alexiak really impressed me last season, and I think he's a guy who's going to keep getting better. Ruedel, very good number seven defenseman. Ricola, we'll see. I mean, he's obviously kind of a mystery, but I don't think too many teams in the league, uh, top to bottom, have a better blue line than that. And those guys, for the most part, were so solid last year. I think uh, some of what they did really went overlooked. I know the Penguins gave up a lot of odd man rushes and a lot of uh, scoring opportunities. Well, trust me, a lot of that had to do with the work of the forwards, not the defensemen. How will they balance the pairs? Latang plays with Dumoulin, obviously. But who else plays yeah. with who else? Because you could go Johnson and Alexiak as your bottom pair with Mott and Schultz number two, or Mott with Alexiak, Schultz with Johnson, if you want to balance the bottom pairs, what do you think they'll they'll pursue? Well, you're going to see both. So, I mean, there's no question Dumoulin and Latang play together. Uh, I've heard that the coaching staff kind of wants to see Jack Johnson with Schultz on the second pairing just to see how they fit. And then you'll see Alexiak and Mata theoretically as your third pairing. Um, you could go either way. Myself, I'm a pretty big Ole Mata fan. I, I really like him in the top four, quite honestly. And I thought he and Schultz are pretty good together. They give you a little bit of everything. Personally, I would go with that and see how Alexiak and Johnson do. And you're going to see Alexiak on the right side. Uh, they actually liked him better on the right side when Ian Cole was still here. He played on the right side and did so quite well. So I think you'll see him on the right side regardless. But Jack Johnson can play the right side also. So they're going to mix and match those bottom four guys. But no question, Dumoulin and Latang aren't, uh, aren't being separated. What do you expect from Chris Latang and Matt Murray, who weren't awful last year but not up to their usual standard? I think they'll both be just fine. I, I really think – I'll start with Chris. I think he's going to have a great season. Uh, I know he did not have a great season last year, certainly not by his standards. He probably wasn't as bad as some made him out to be, but there's no question. He was a mess some games. He, he was clearly off his game, and I have to assume that having a summer off, the neck surgery, everything that went into that, that had to affect him on some level. He didn't just drop off like that for no reason. So I think he will bounce back, and Matt Murray, he wasn't as bad as people think last year either. Um, the fact of the matter is, he was pretty average, but the Penguins gave up an extraordinary amount of scoring opportunities last year, too. It never stopped right until the very end, giving up a breakaway in overtime of a playoff game. I mean, that, that's just, they were so high risk last season that a lot of goalies would have looked pretty ordinary. And that's not, Matt's had a summer to clear his head. It was not an easy season for him. And this is a great young goaltender. I don't think he gets the credit around the league or even in Pittsburgh that he deserves. Uh, he'll be just fine. How much will a normal offseason help uh, the whole team? Because after 16 and 17 and playing so deep into the summer, I bet these guys felt like they had a whole year off this offseason. Boy, I have had so many players in the last week tell me, just from a mental standpoint, how much better they feel right now as opposed to last September. Um, I think it really has made a difference. I was talking with Ole Mata the other day, and he said, man, everybody in this room is excited, and we all have a chip on our shoulders right now. We're all kind of aggravated with you know, how last season ended, and we feel good. And uh, honestly, 10 or 11 players have already told me, like, man, I, I feel different right now. So I, you never know, but I think they're going to come out of the gates pretty strong. I, I just have a feeling they have a pretty easy schedule in October, and there's just a, a real energy around that team right now that uh, I haven't necessarily sensed for a while. So I think that summer was a pretty big deal for them. I really do. Who has the potential to be a camp surprise? I'm not sure anybody could, like, win a spot or a big role that wasn't going to get one anyway, but uh, who are the fans and the, the media going to be enamored with that, that they might not have expected to? Well, gosh, there are many jobs, you know, up for battle. Jimmy Hayes is a guy, you know, he scored 19 goals a few years ago with Florida, so there's something there. He's done it before. 
He's had some good seasons. He's certainly not a lock to make the team, but uh, he is a guy that the coaching staff is interested in. So maybe you'll see that. It's just going to be interesting. You have older guys like him, Derek Grant, and then you have the younger guys like Dominic Simon and Zach Aston Reese. I'm curious to see, you know, what wins out there, if youth or experience. And, and I honestly have no idea. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out in camp. But uh, those are probably going to be the storylines. Well, let me, let me throw uh, a name at you, Josh, if I could. What about Ricola? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's interesting. None of us, anyone who says they know a lot about him is lying. We haven't seen him play much. But, well, except uh, all boy, the front. Well, that's right. But, boy, the front office was awfully excited to sign him. Uh, Jim Rutherford speaks of him as though he is an NHL regular. That's kind of what they're expecting. And that's a big deal, Mark. I mean, the, the fact is that defensemen were actually pretty healthy last year. That's not always going to be the case. You need more than six guys. And if you have eight strong uh, to start the season, that, that's a pretty big deal. And, yeah, it'll be worth watching. And I would also mention, uh, now that we're talking about it, uh, God, this is going to sound like Steelers training camp and the backup quarterback talk, but the backup goaltender situation is kind of interesting. Well, I think DeSmith and Jari are about the same, you know, in terms of current performance. Mm-hmm. And I think the Smith's a lot smaller, though, like like at least three inches smaller, and, and that matters. But I'm not sure what their plans for Jari are. You can say, okay, send him back to Wilkes to develop him. He's 23, one year younger than Murray. What exactly are you developing him for? I say just keep the better goalie. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not so sure they think Jari is the better goalie. That's the thing. He certainly has the better pedigree. Um, but they are a little enamored with the Smith. There's no question. Uh, Mike Buckley and the, and the coaches, they really like him. Yeah, which isn't to say that they don't like Jari. I think they do. But um, I, I get the sense whoever plays better in the preseason games probably will get the nod. I, I really think it's an open competition between us two. Josh, great stuff. We'll do it again next week, and I'll see you tomorrow at Cranberry. All right, Mark, you got it. That's Josh Owey. Check out his fine work. Fine work at theathletic.com. In just a moment, we'll talk to Bob McLaughlin. Uh, Burt Lawton, the Steelers PR guy, firing back at Stephen A. Smith on Twitter. When Stephen A. Smith said Big Ben ain't what he used to be. We'll get to that in just a moment. Also, Eric Carlson, freshly traded to San Jose, was asked about signing a possible contract extension with San Jose. He refused to discuss it. That is Swedish for one year done. 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. Is that a compromise, verbally speaking? Verbally speaking. How stupid is that? What other kind of verbally is there besides speaking? The X at 105.9. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, at the top of the show, I mentioned a poll that the B team posted on Twitter. Is Antonio Brown a good guy? And uh, the vote was... Not overwhelmingly that he is indeed a good guy, but but the majority of people did say that. What's your call? Is Antonio Brown a good guy? Oh, he's absolutely a good receiver. What about a good guy? He can really. Well, I don't know him at all. My my Um, point is, Bob, is there any evidence that he's a good guy? There's some evidence he's a good guy, yeah. For instance? Uh, You see him signing some stuff here and there. He gave a check to Children's Hospital. He supports other charities out there. The same Children's Hospital he was... Five hours late to, to 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 visit with the sick kids, right? Mark, I, I do believe, Your Honor, the question was, is there evidence he is a good guy? Yeah, it, it's it's very slim. <laughs> um, uh, could you imagine, I, I brought up this scenario, it, it shows beginning as well. What if the Steelers had players drop off season tickets uh, like the Penguins do? Like I said earlier, uh, 
Antonio Brown would show up five hours late and knock up the 18-year-old daughter. Le'Veon Bell would steal grandpa's medicinal marijuana. <laughs> I mean, it would just be a horror show. It'd be bad if you had kids playing Fortnite when Juju came to the door to, to, to give you your season tickets. Let's just say that. It would be the Saturday Night Live thing, the thing that wouldn't John leave. Belushi, <laughs> right. you got any chips? <laughs> right, I'm glad you picked up on that. No, you know what? Of course that would be a good thing. People would eat it up. They would love it. Um, the cameras oh, would be Bob, there. Oh, Bob, I disagree. I think it would go bad. But uh, you, like you just said, the cameras would be there. Of course they would be putting their their good foot forward. You know, there are good guys on the team. There are guys that you said that you like. Have those gentlemen deliver the tickets. Uh, I think that they should do that next year. Social experiment. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, but they don't pursue the customers like the Penguins do. They just don't. They got a waiting list that's a mile long. They don't need to do that. Oh, uh, you're right. They you're should. right. I mean, they're, they they got you know. People they should because just... they're going to wake up one day. You know, maybe in forty years, and realize they made a mistake in the early two thousands, not pursuing the young demographic, which is much deal as the Penguins are. Yeah, Steelers have generations of families still waiting in uh, you know a line to get season tickets. Although, you know, you do see empty seats at the games. I think that that's maybe just the nature of football. Tickets now. are sold. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I can't imagine, though, the people no-show the games. Bob, there's only eight home games a year. Right. Why would you no-show? Those tickets, you know, they're not as expensive as they could be. I've always given the Rooney family credit for that. I think they could double the price and still sell the place out every game. Well, the other thing is that you now have the aftermarket, where people know exactly where to go online to get tickets when they want them. You have other people coming into the city specifically to get tickets for home games because there's only eight games a year. And because, you know, let's just say, I mean, they're fanatical. The Steelers have a fanatical, a rabid fan base, not just nationwide, but worldwide. You see it every week with people coming in to see those games. Uh, Ben hasn't practiced uh, the last two days, including today. What if Josh Dobbs has to play on Sunday? And I don't think he'll have to. Ben plays. But what if Dobbs plays? Uh, well, if Dobbs plays, I mean, that that's a huge boost for the Chiefs, that even with their defense playing, you know, being crap. They don't have a pass rush. You know, with with Barry out, they don't have a secondary. Um, you know, I think they averaged like 7.6 yards per play last week in their first week. Uh, so, I mean, let's just say with his first start in the NFL regular season, Dobbs would have a tall task. If Ben what can't a defense play, to do it against. If Ben can't play, and like you said, it, it's fairly certain he will. But if Ben can't play, they could not score the Chiefs. Yeah. Honestly, the way, you know, Ben, I, you know, Ben will do a lot of things in that locker room. Ben will do a lot of things. You know, look at the tackle he made last week to save that touchdown. Ben will take this team on his shoulders when he is able to. There might be some drama involved in it, but I think if there's any way Ben can play, he will because like you talked about with Jerry Dulac, they can't lose this game. They can't go 0-1-1 to start this season. Ben well, plays. Well, thanks to our buddy Burt Lawton, the Steelers PR guy, he tweeted out some stats to show how dominant Ben has been recently, and we'll get to that in just a minute. What about uh, Motley Crue reforming to uh, record four new songs? Can... Could a concert tour be far behind? Vince Neil says no. Vince Neil says just the four songs. What do you think? Uh, I think uh, it's for the movie. You know, I think it's for the movie The Dirt. Um, yeah, based on their autobiography. But then again, The Dirt came out in 2002, and that autobiography has allegedly been in the making for over a decade. Right. Well, let's just say, as we did yesterday, right now. I think that it's four songs for the soundtrack of the movie. You know, I saw a couple of weeks ago that both Lee 
and uh, Nikki Six were in a studio, and I was wondering where the other two guys were. So I thought maybe they were going to go out and get another singer. You know, they were going to get another guitarist because of Mick Mars' hands and his arthritis. But with you telling me that all four of them are back right now, they need a quick payday for the soundtrack, and then we'll talk yeah, about this another year from now. Won't provide that much. Well, no, a movie soundtrack would provide a. A decent payday. But one new single. Say they get one new single and they get that on airplay. Yeah, Bob, it's not like people sell records these days either. No, but you still get ASCAP and BMI rights when you play them. True, true enough. Now, I would be kind of pissed if they came back because I spent all that money. <laughs> I know Don't you forget, would. I went to the last show in L.A. <laughs> and I was at three of the last four shows. Right. And, and I would feel, not, not cheated, but duped. Who was it? You had that a guest. Said, that said, I'd go again. You had a guest on though, and you you asked. I can't remember if it was one of the guys uh, from the VH1 show. Oh, Jim Florentine. And he said, Jim that, Florentine said, two of those guys are married to young chicks. <laughs> That'll fall apart. They'll need the money. They'll be back. There's your answer, Bob. It's day your birthday. Yesterday was my birthday. Why did you say something? What am I going to do? Hey, Mark, how you doing? Here's who we have today. It's my birthday. Yes, absolutely. No, no, we're good. You can let me know quietly. How old? The big five zero. Bob, speaking to someone who's the big 5'7", you're well on your way to it being all over. I know it. All over. <laughs> That's Bob McLaughlin. Thanks to Bob. Up next, we're going to talk about all the Lev Bell conspiracy theories as to why he has not yet joined the Steelers. 105.9.